more people every day are ditching animal products, embracing plant-based foods, and speaking up for what matters. With my experience as an international instructor for vegan nutrition and an award-winning author, I interview experts, innovators, and celebrities about the global movement towards a plant-based future. Do you want to learn how to combat the injustice in our food system affecting your health, the animals, and the planet? Well, you're in the right place. It all starts here with eating like you give a damn. Welcome to the Eating Like You Give a Damn podcast, the place to discover your passion for plant-based living one bite at a time. I'm your host, Stephanie Harder. If you are fascinated with the human body's ability to repair and thrive through nutrition, and you're excited about the advancements in regenerative medicine to restore normal function of damaged tissues and organs, and you're curious about how the two fit together, then you'll love getting the scoop from this self-proclaimed science geek. Dr. Mari Mitrani is the Chief Science Officer and co-founder of Organicell Regenerative Medicine, along with her husband, Al. She co-founded the American Cellular and Anti-Aging Center in Quito, Ecuador, and was instrumental in opening additional stem cell clinics in Guatemala, Trinidad, Tobago, and Jamaica. She's a medical doctor, has a PhD in neural therapy, and is also a doctor of acupuncture. Dr. Matrani's primary motivation has always been caring for others and therefore participates in missionary medical work. She's a fitness and nutrition fanatic. She loves yoga and lifting. She's a proud mom and a passionate vegan. During this interview, we talk about the truth about stem cell research and the advancements that have been made in the pursuit of anti-aging techniques that are helping people get a new lease on life from chronic and deadly conditions. Dr. Mari's advice for how we should all view nutrition to find a balance and joy and some incredibly helpful tips for making nutrition easy when traveling. What the consensus was at the conclusion of the 2019 American College of Cardiology diet debate, which was between keto, Mediterranean, and plant-based diets, and she attended that conference, and ooh, I just know you're going to flip for this. And Dr. Mari shares her view of the future and what's in store for humankind, animals, and the planet, as well as advancements in science to help more people out of chronic pain. So be sure to listen through to the end. Hey, health coaches. According to metadata, health coaching has emerged as a $6 billion service market, and it's growing. With the rise in awareness about the impacts of our food choices, plant-based health and wellness coaches are in high demand. The problem is that Once you graduate, you're full of all this nutrition knowledge and you're totally fueled to help more people overcome some major life or health challenges, but you don't know how to navigate the online space for your business to achieve the kind of freedom and income that you want. So I decided to create a group where plant-based coaches can learn how to serve more people and build a business that they love that creates a huge impact. Go to eatinglikeyougiveadam.com forward slash coaching to learn more. 
Now, on with the show with our favorite science geek, here's Dr. Mari Mitrani. Hey, Dr. Mari, what's going on? Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. Oh, it's so cool to talk to you. I somehow came across your Instagram feed not too long ago, and I was just so like mesmerized with what you were posting in your feed with like all of your yoga poses and your uh, your nutrition. And like, I just felt like super inspired by that. So I just had to reach out to you. So that's how we connected. And I'm just super glad that you said yes, and that you'd be willing to come on the show and share some of your expertise with us. Of course, my pleasure. The more we can share the knowledge of not only plant-based and healthy nutrition, but the whole aspect and which makes me a physician is just to make sure that we are not always just centered in one thing, but us as human beings, we have to be complete and we have to always think about the whole thing. Fantastic and super well said too. So let's dial back to the beginning mm -hmm. of, let's say back when you were just Mari, um, <laughs> before you were a doctor, what was your life like back then? And what was your, you know, what was it like growing up? Where are you from originally? And then like, what was your mindset about food? Well, I am from Ecuador, the belly button of the world. And I, I have both my parents are physicians and they're both into natural medicine. They're both MDs and uh, are working into all of the techniques of natural medicine. When my dad uh, was in his first year of medicine, he stumbled upon this new point of view of how to treat patients and that changed his life so much that he decided to not only approach uh, healing in a different way, but changed the way that he was raising his family. And um, I'm the middle child, so I came, they experimented with my older brother, and then I came along, and uh, <laughs> I mean... Isn't that funny that your, your older brother was like the experiment child? <laughs> They got to yeah. refine things a little bit by the time they got to you. My brother and sister had the same experience. I'm the eldest in my family. Oh, you. <laughs> I was so, the experimented on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, uh, he he's, I always say he's more than a doctor. He's a true healer. And he not only that experimented with uh, the patients, but with his family, because he understood that there's a truth and the truth and he sworn by this thing of not, not harming, right? Of always trying to do the best for his patients uh, without any harm. So, and he, till today, he, that's the way he acts. And um, that being said, uh, it's gonna be 40 years of my life. And uh, I was raised in, back then, if today having a, or being green is still considered a little hippie, Back then, it was like, what are you doing? So we know, you know, medications, not at all, nothing chemical, uh, our nutrition. And that is where he always, to turn into uh, healing to a patient or to treat a patient, the first and number one written in his recipe is you are going to go plant-based, vegan. And that, about 40 years ago, it was like vegetarian, right? And uh, mm -hmm. I mean, we were not raised with uh, even our toothpaste, no, no fluoride, um, shampoo, no SLS. I mean, we were really the, the crazy little hippies that 
went into regular school and had play dates with, um, had to have a, a phone call with the mothers to let them know that the, the kids don't eat meat, no pork, uh, no cheese, you know, and trying to figure out the way of like just surviving in a normal world, but mm -hmm. making sure that we had the knowledge, even when we were kids, we are three, and we always knew what to answer to all the questions that adults and kids had, that we knew the answers that were so strong that we could peacefully have a conversation and say, yeah, we're opting not to eat this or that. We respect whatever you're doing, but uh, we are definitely not doing it that way. <laughs> and it was when I was 13 years old that I read an article. So we were raised vegetarian and uh, we were doing some white meat, uh, seafood and uh, pizza here and there. So some cheese. I never had milk, like in a glass of milk, right? And no eggs. I never, I was never raised on having eggs for breakfast. Uh, but it was at 13 that I read an article where uh, it just nailed down all of the gas emission from animal agriculture. And I was like, are you kidding me? I am the one that's trying to save the world because I was like really pushing to save the world. Always has mm -hmm. been, I've been like the revolutionary one that I think that just by recycling, I was going to save the world. But after reading that, those stats, I was like, I am not contributing to this. So from one day to the other, I said, I'm not eating any more chicken. And I was so grateful. And I mean, my mom is a cook that everything that you can do, she was always able to do it uh, vegetarian or vegan. And uh, yeah, she never incorporated any cheese or butter. So I guess she was always cooking like vegan. And I had like eight options in the table every day. So I opt not to eat either the fish or the chicken that they had. And I said, I'm going to try it for one day. And that one day turned into years. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it just stuck. <laughs> it, it stuck. And so that's really cool to hear that, you know, you were very well informed from a very young age and you practiced this mindset and lifestyle as a family unit. And uh, I think that's really, really powerful because, you know, while you may have been the anomaly back then, we're seeing a lot more people today that are getting this level of education and teaching their children what's healthy, what's not healthy, you know, and especially when it comes to the consequences of contributing to meat, dairy, and eggs. So then how did you find yourself on the path to becoming a doctor? I mean, it sounds like your father was a huge inspiration for that. Definitely. I did not think I was going that uh, down that route for many, many years. And one day, my dad, at the end of the year, he said, have you realized how good you are in biology and especially anatomy? I was always like the, uh, I had fair grades, but never like super good grades. I, I did enough that I could pass my ears, but not like, I didn't really care as much to be the number one student. But in anatomy, I was always number one. So when he brought that to my attention, I was like, you know what? I really think you're right. I mean, that comes effortlessly. So let me check it out. So I, I did my two last years high school, I did went full dive in into 
um, we, we call that the biology um, side, right? So that's how I, I got in. And thank God I, went, I, I was in a third world country where when I started med school, from the very first day we started treating patients, more than treating, we're like in contact with the patients one-on-one -on -one because more professional hands are needed and we're always shorthanded there. So uh, we have that exposure with patients from a very young age. I mean, I was 18 when I started my med school and we started shifts, like overnight shifts where we were only observing, but my very first shift actually, um, obviously, Ecuador, we speak Spanish only, that's our language. And I, I was rotating that, that night with, uh, in the military hospital, and there was an accident from a U.S. military that fell in the Amazon region. They were transported, and nobody in the hospital spoke any English. So I ended up holding a shift of 12 hours with this amazing army people that could only speak through to their doctors through me so I oh, was wow. introduced to medicine like really quick really fast and I was like shocked into a reality of real humans having real problems <laughs> wow wow that's really fascinating too and so of course it sounds like you had an emotional reaction to that moment too and, um, and so that's kind of led you through, you know, where you are today. So I know I uh, went over a little bit of your bio, talking about a little bit of your history. So t take us a little bit on that journey, like what's your experience and then what is Organicell? Okay, so I, um, from a young age, thanks to my parents, they have a clinic where they actively see patients and patients that are not coming for easy stuff. You know, they are really seeing the patients that are chronical conditions, the ones that are sent home to die, the ones that don't have any other opportunities uh, in the regular medical world. And I was, uh, as I was studying my in my medical years, I was always rotating in the, their clinic. So I became an expert of IV therapy because that's one of the things that my parents do. And um, uh, I, I grab veins like it's nobody's business. <laughs> so the IV nutrition was like uh, just built in with me. And um, as I graduated med school, I, I started seeking other things that I wanted to do. I did my acupuncture or oriental medical degree and end up uh, at the end of the day meeting uh, who becomes my husband. And he was working with these devices of anti-aging. And we start doing a lot of uh, shows, aesthetic shows and anti-aging shows, selling those devices for beauty and for health. And we get introduced to uh, my parents' friend's hematologist that this, he was already 25 years working in autologous stem cells. Uh, and he said, if you want to be in the real anti-aging, then you have to look into stem cells. And this is way back then when stem cells were not, nobody even knew what stem cells were. Right. Where back then in, in the Bush administration, they block all stem cell research uh, because of yeah, all the Yeah, there was the a lot ethical. of controversy. Yeah. yeah. So 
until now, if you say stem cells, people say, oh, that's not legal or you're killing babies. And those are like the two biggest misconceptions that exist in stem cells because after all, all of these years of uh, research, we even know that we, ha we have as adults stem cells. So we dove into a whole new universe when we got introduced to this. And we got into this whole new world of actually regeneration and anti-aging uh, through stem cells and we were able in Ecuador to not only do the research but start doing treatments to patients because the modality that we chose was, um, and again I'm going to quote it, it's autologous stem cell treatments, which autologous means from your own body. So they yeah. are, we all have stem cells and we were collecting the stem cells from you and uh, separating it from where the body had them dormant and being able to activate them and put them back in you. So many years we, we did this uh, developing of techniques in Ecuador with surreal, surreal transformations. I mean, when we started our journey, we used to call this miracles, but the miracles kept presenting one after the other, after the other. And in front of our own eyes, we were seeing patients that were diagnosed and sent to, to be like that for the rest of their lives. And we were able to tap in their lives and change the course of that. And what I love the most about this cellular medicine is that, you know, working so many years with so many doctors, doctors have this tendency of being so there's no better than me, you know? They, they are always like, oh, uh, the ego, the ego <laughs> grows and grows in doctors because uh, doctors have that magic power of changing lives, right? And yes. that should be your something that you're humble about, not that you are better than, right? And um, with cellular medicine, I found that it's nothing to do with a doctor, what makes the miracle. It's the body's own ability to regenerate itself and understand a coding, a message of perfection and regeneration and bringing back to that. So the doctors are no longer needed. It's just if you put the correct message into your body, your body will react to that and it's your body who will do the miracle. So um, we do still have those uh, video testimonials from back then. and. Every time we, we look at them, we always get goosebumps. I mean, it's crazy. Oh, I Quite. bet. <laughs> That's got to give you all kinds of warm and fuzzies to see how many people's lives you've impacted and saved with this type of research. That's incredible. I mean, we, we always uh, are careful to say, and because stem cells always carry this, maybe this is the miracle that I was looking for, people get their hopes so high that we always want to try to say, you know, this is not the cure of all, but this can help your quality of life, in, increase the quality of life that you have in 10, 20, 30, 40%, then that is the world to some of this uh, patients, sure. right? So absolutely. So then, you know, for listeners who probably and for myself who probably don't really understand stem cells, like how is that extracted? How do you use it? Um, how do you convert it into something that the body can recognize in order to begin a healing process? So to just continue with our timeline, we were working so many years with the ability to extract stem cells from your own body 
either they were coming from the blood, uh, from your bone marrow where they're all dormant, or from the fat or the you know the, the fat tissue where they are dormant as well. So we develop in both sides many techniques to harvest them. But the science kept advancing and we understood that there's more than just the stem cells that come into play. And five years ago, we started uh, working with uh, a tissue, perinatal tissue. Perinatal tissue is the tissue that that's between the mom and the baby. Uh, a tissue that can be donated if the mom and the baby are healthy. If uh, mm -hmm. only in plant C-sections, we, we collect this tissue and make sure that, again, the mom and the baby are totally, uh, there's no infections, There's uh, they're both healthy, right? So again, no aborted fetus, no, no harm to the mom, no harm to the baby. Because we understood that the stem cells that you can find in yourself are as old as you are. Yes, they're powerful, but they can be other cells that can be even more powerful. So we dove into this new era of uh, stem cell research, uh, fascinating, of uh, be able to use a tissue for donation that it can be accepted by all humans. So, and this is where, where I'll make it super simple. So everybody understands that everybody can donate and receive donated blood, right? So that's like the first step, right? And the perinatal tissue is the tissue that lets that baby stay inside of mom. The baby is a total new individual that has nothing to do with mom, but mom does not reject that baby in nine months. And it's mm. this layer, this shield that miraculously is created that lets the mom hold that baby without rejecting because the baby is a total different individual. So that's where we dove into and not only that we're in, in, in this um, era, but we are able to, in our laboratory, an FDA registered laboratory, we follow all procedures that the FDA asks for to manipulate and process this tissue to be able to concentrate in a little vial an amount of information so let's call it information because one one we can we can we can talk a whole episode on what, only what stem cells are so now sure. the next the next episode is <laughs> those stem cells that have a lot of information secrete message through little vesicles that's how they tell the environment what they want to do those little vesicles are called exosomes are the next big tiny thing those are the exosomes <laughs> because they're carrying the message that the stem cell has so uh, we are able to collect those messages and collect proteins for regeneration uh, which are cytokines chemokines and growth factors right and put all of that in in a small vial so we've spent all of these years with all the knowledge that we have to be able to now make it so much simpler and easier without even using any cells. So now our product doesn't even contain the, all of those years that we work with stem cells and cells that are, a cell is a total alive being where it has a nucleus, right? Now we don't mm -hmm. even have those. We are just collecting the messengers from the stem cells. So 
I, again, we, we, can, we can spend one entire hour talking only on exosomes, <laughs> which is fascinating. The whole world is turning into exosomes for diagnose and treatment and many, many more uh, years we will be talking about the, uh, just what exosomes can do. Right. So this is cutting-edge research, and you are pretty much paving the way in this cutting-edge research with exosomes. That's fantastic. Now, of course, we're called eating like you give a damn, right? <laughs> so I'm very curious because I know that another thing that you teach about is regenerative medicine, and you teach other doctors this, correct? Correct. Yeah, so uh, I'm very curious to hear how does that pair with nutrition? What's the what's the correlation there? Well, that is where I love to be working in both things. I, I say one always intertwines with the other because the whole us as humans now that we've mastered hygiene, that we've mastered how to take care of ourselves, we are looking for how to not age in a bad way, how to healthy age, right? And regenerative mm -hmm. medicine in the field that we're working with, obviously we're working with patients that are in, a, in pain, patients that are ready to go for a knee replacement, patients that, and now the exciting new research that we're about to collaborate with the Mayo Clinic, um, uh, to work with heart and lungs, right? Uh, so those are, we're talking about sick patients, but there is another aspect of us and more and more of us are tuning into how do we get to age healthy because that will be ideally our goal as humans right and that cannot go without nutrition nutrition is who we are we are made of what we eat it sounds cliche but it is everything that you put in your mouth is what your cells are vibrating on. So I always say, eat everything, every color of the rainbow. Did you do that today? Did you check and mark every color of the rainbow? So regenerative medicine has that uh, opportunity, has given us that opportunity of seeing how cells or tissues can regenerate from not being there or not being vibrant or almost dying to regenerate again. And nutrition actually can do that with so much and um, that's where where both of them get intertwined. I see. So now do the exosomes play a role in this regenerative medicine at all? Yeah, correct. So the exosomes, as I was telling you, uh, they are carrying a specific message, a specific message and the, where we're collecting them from is a message or the cells are giving a specific message for regeneration. So that is what the, the exosomes are just little vesicles that are carrying something. What, what do they have inside? They have these proteins for regeneration and they have a message, a message that when the cell uh, looks at it, it says, oh, you want me to do this and that. So I'll better structure this because I was doing, I, I forgot how to do it because I aged. So my cell doesn't remember how to do it correctly. But by you putting these vesicles there that are carrying the good message or the, the message that was just brought out of the oven, right? Then you'll start building better bricks with better quality, shining better mm -hmm. because you remembered how it used to be. It's very interesting to see how that actually 
you know, in, in partnership with nutrition can heal the body. Now, can you elaborate a little bit more about just nutrition in general, right? Because I know that you yourself are vegan, and so you teach a healthy plant-based vegan lifestyle. Now, what does the science say related to that specifically? And do you teach that more for prevention or as also a way to reverse? Okay, so I, I love this question because I, I, I'm not too involved in the teaching side of uh, nutrition. I would love to. I, there's just not too many hours in the day. <laughs> uh, but I am so grateful that you actually reach out to me because the more we spread this uh, word, the better it will be for all of us, right? So I was from my company, from Organicel, we traveled to the American Academy, uh, the, the American College of Cardiology, the, the meet that they have every year. Uh, this year was in New Orleans. Uh, I think it was like February or March. And there was, uh, for me, I was starstruck because these cardiologists that are also a plant-based lecturers, right? Dr. Rob, uh, Rob Osfeld, and Dr. Danielle Delardo, that uh, she also has a fabulous podcast, right? Um, were there and they held this dietary debate. For me, the day that I was like, I'm here for work, but I get to see these doctors. I was their first row. I was able to tape <laughs> the whole thing, the whole debate, so you can find it on my Facebook uh, page. Um, mm -hmm. To be able to listen to all the statistics that, you know, back then when my dad used to say nutrition is what we should shift first, there were no too many published studies. Uh, actually, it was more uh, back then, it was only the doctors telling you this because they learned in school. Now medicine has transformed totally to, are there any good published studies that show that, that what you're saying is correct? And to hear Dr. Oswald go over and over without not even stopping because he had to like nail all of the published data that there exists for nutrition. So, I mean, I even brought my little notes so I don't miss anything, but there's so many of how just by changing and adopting a healthy whole food plant-based diet, including more vegetables, whole cereals, legumes, fruits, nuts, seeds into our diet, we can impact by big percentages our health. So it's not just this hippie people trying to say things. No, I'm talking about 2019, the American College of Cardiology, the summary at the end, if you listen to the summary, one of the cardiologists that was uh, modulating it, he says, in summary, we're gonna just recap. And if you go up to 90%, of whole food plant-based, we all agree that that is what will improve your quality of life. And then you have a 10% to play with. You know, I was like, okay, this is just a dream come true because for me to be able to be here, that I was able to tape it because it would have just disappeared with everybody that attended. It was at least 300 to 500 attendees. and. Uh, just to be so, 
fabulous to listen to all of them uh, speak. Um, so it was the keto diet, Mediterranean diet, and a plant-based diet. And um, I always say, I always tell everybody, life is so short, just don't get caught up with silly stuff and, and shit that you should, sorry for my French, but uh, should that, no, that's perfect. <laughs> that, you know, what if this afternoon you're not here? Let's not even think about tomorrow you're not here, right? So your nutrition should not be something that you're like sweating for. Make it a lifestyle because you know what you're, why are you doing? So in 2019, we have so many resources to understand, not only from the medical side and the research, meta-analysis, randomized, not only one or two patients. No, we're talking about 80,000 patients follow, not for one year, two years, five years. But I'm telling you, like, if, you, if we go and, and I can dive in into all of those stats, uh, it's just mind-boggling. And then, obviously, I mean, you've, you've touched in all your podcasts how it's not only nutrition for your health, but how about the planet, the only one that's set on fire, <laughs> mm, <laughs> that, yes. right? That we only have one, so we should all, like, have that in mind, right? And uh, the animals, I mean, I did not realize about this monster, until mm. I would say recently that I didn't know how bad it was until thank God for technology, for social media, we get exposed if we dare to watch because nobody dares to watch, but you should dare to watch because you are paying for that. And if you have a, a dog or a cat that love and pet and cuddle with, you should be doing that because you are paying for that guy to just kill that soul <laughs> that did not want yes. to die like we we do it's it's very hard to talk to somebody that maybe doesn't share that level of empathy about animals about a healthy vegan way of living right but but when you're actually talking about the health of the planet or the health of the human body, the power that plant-based nutrition has for preventing, reversing, and, and you know, just healing in general. So I, I'm re I really love that you brought that up. I love that you say that because, you know, not too many doctors that I've talked to or that I've experienced or listened to lectures and anything that they're not very open about talking about, you know, the, the compassion or the empathy that maybe they feel for animals because they really, really love that science. But you've got both. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> it's really cool. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> oh, you're, you're welcome. I think I'm, I'm not the only one. I am so grateful to social media for exposing me to so many of them. I mean, the physician comedy is, for me, is, I, I really wish next year I can attend because they do this once a year that they have their, their meet. They go to the front of the White House with one message. Every year is different. Every year is so powerful. And we are not alone. We, the more, more out there, and as doctors, you know, um, doctors to be, able to again look at the human as a whole doctors yes. to understand that we are animals one more animal in the planet we're not the totipotent the ones that are not part of the rest of the chain we are one so i i feel like we used to be isolated 
and we used to be considered the crazy ones for realizing that what is true is there. But now, thank God to social media, I'm going to say it again, I've found so many others that are compassionate and they are the best of the best in their field. You know, it's not yes. like just a doctor here, you know. There's so many to, that I look up for and that uh, keep paving that, this, this road. It's very uplifting to have such easy access to like minds, you know, people that share the same way of thinking uh, just about life in general. And it is so cool that we can tap into that so easily with the power of social media. I love that. Now, so I kind of want to get into a little bit because I know, you know, some listeners are probably wondering about let's say plant-based versus vegan, because I know that sometimes we have to revisit that with some some people that are really, really new to the idea of living a plant-based or vegan lifestyle. So I know that we've touched on the animals, we've touched on the planet, we've touched on the health of the body. And even uh, you know when you were talking about wrapping up that diet debate, mm-hmm. And the, the final consensus out of that debate was, is, hey, 90% plant-based, let's, let's go there because we can all agree on that being, you know, the best way to go in, in this point in time. So when we're talking about plant-based and vegan, just based on your experience, what exactly would you say is the definition between the two? Uh, as humans, we like to claim terms Uh, that we say, this is what I am. No, this is what I am. You're wrong. I'm right. And uh, yes, as vegans, you can be a junkie eating vegan with a lot of processed food. And uh, as doctors and nutritionists experts keep saying, it's the healthy whole plant food that you should be just ramping in, right? Uh, Real raw fruits, uh, you know, cook those beans and add more quinoa to your to your dishes and as a as a only vegan term right in quotation uh the oreos are vegan are you kidding me like (laughs) (laughs) no definitely not for nutrition purposes if it's that process that fake it is not good for you and then we, we we can go really deep and down into all of those meat meat alternatives right and when you are making that transition, me, I was fortunate. I was born and raised in this beautiful green heart. Uh, <laughs> and uh, for me, it was not, nothing new. My microbiome was always experiencing different shapes and forms of whole food plant-based. But there's many, many people that don't have that reality, that they are used to white rice, piece of meat, whatever color that is, and luckily some kind of vegetables, if there are, if they're not, then it will be potatoes or something else, right? (laughs) The potatoes will be the only vegetable that they know, or lettuce and tomatoes. Mm -hmm. People think that transitioning to a vegan or vegetarian or whole food, it's just, I'm going to eat lettuce and tomatoes, and where is the protein? Where, Where are you getting all that nutrition? And here we are, proving it wrong. So many bodybuilders, so many athletes. The Game Changer movie coming out. They were so excited. And From the Ground Up already is out. I don't know if you know about that uh, movie. So many other amazing athletes speaking about the truth of them thriving in just 
plant, right? Um, very emotional. That movie made me really cry. Uh, so I can't wait for the game changers. And um, oh, yeah. uh, so I always, again, I'm going to go back to saying, finding your balance, finding a way to know how much is, how much you can do every day on introducing more and more healthy plants and plants meaning not only some sometimes we feel like i feel like when you say plants people just associate it to the green leaves and sure. green leafy veggies are very important because they have they're loaded with a lot of things but there's a whole diversity that you've never experienced if you don't go down this route like who had radish or amaranth right or yeah. quinoa in all of the colors so I'm always every day challenging that balance because I'm married to somebody from New York that uh, is, he loves to go out for dinner in the best restaurants and whatever. So here I am trying to one, because I train so hard and I do a lot of crazy training. I have to make sure that I kind of macro count, but not really. <laughs> and, ah, interesting. And I travel in my purse with my portions of either cooked beans or uh, oh, I always travel with quinoa because I'm obsessed with, with quinoa or, or brown I rice. I the same thing. So yeah. <laughs> I found these uh, square boxes that fit in my purse. And when I unfold on top of any salad, any side that any restaurant can offer, I, it just looks like it came from the kitchen display that way. So yep. either my faux meats or my cooked beans. So I always bring with me. So it's not difficult. Like if mm -hmm. I can go out everywhere and I, even when I travel international, I, I have my own little cooler with me that I travel with. And as soon as I get to the hotel, I put it in the freezer and I keep doing what I do at home. So that's perfect. And that's incredibly inspiring and insightful for a lot of people that are in the process of making this transition and thinking about, oh my God, well, I'm traveling all the time. What the heck do I do? You know, when they want to hand me an iceberg, you know, salad with uh, dried up shriveled <laughs> veggies on it <laughs> and in uh, a very unripe and, you know, not very tasty tomato. So yeah, this is, these are all really, really great tips. I love that. Now, so we've talked a lot about the science that you're involved in. We've talked about nutrition. Now, what's your vision for the future when we put these two together? What do you see happening here in the next five years, 10 years, just based on this technology, this med medical technology that you're experiencing and, and with the world waking up about what nutrition is and the power of plant-based living? Wow, that's a deep question. <laughs> right? I go deep. <laughs> Five to ten years. I mean, I would love to see all of our research that already started, that already has approved IRBs, uh, funnel down the, the line on our FDA approval for new drug applications from biologics. I know all of these words are really technological, but um, this is one big goal for me as the chief science officer and for our company as a whole to be able to be the, the forefront of biologics, of how to correctly do this, uh, this products that can help aid 
so many out there that are living with inflammation and with pain. So on my scientific side, that will be like the goal to actually, because it will take around four or five years to actually get our VLA license, which is the license, uh, our biologic license to be able to have this product, to commercialize this product for the masses, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I, I only see that uh, vegan, veganism, plant-based keeps growing day and day because uh, again, Thanks to all outlets, not only social media, but all of the outlets out there in 2019. And up to that point, it's going to be like 2025, <laughs> right? That, that, you're, that yes. you're suggesting. More and more people will uh, keep opening their, not only eyes, but their heart, their third eye, uh, up, up to a bigger conscious of, what we are doing, what we're paying for, it is a pure representation of what is happening to the world. So it, more and more people will understand that we are, we, there's no need to mass produce, rape all of these animals just for us consuming this, that now we have similar things that somehow taste like it, right? And um, I do see the future greener and greener. <laughs> uh, I am one of the, uh, the positive ones. I, I don't like to be ever thinking on the, on the negative side, even though we are all destroying Mother Earth, but, but we exist the ones that we keep pushing the agenda of. They're a small transformation. One person can make a big difference. And listening to your podcast and listening to, to the captain of Sea Shepherd, I, I shed so many tears just um, when he was saying how he saw that the whale looked at him in the eye and a boy, a, a boy falling on top of them and killing them, you know. We are born compassionate, and I, I feel like if we're reminded with the correct information how to adopt a better lifestyle, everybody will. You know, if you if we see a duck crossing the road and there's a lot of cars, the cars will automatically stop to see the, the duck cross the road because they don't want to harm. No, no normal person will just just take off and shove that, that duck away from the road, you know? Everybody will stop and make sure that the duck crosses the road. <laughs> I love that you say that too, because sometimes we can easily forget that that compassion that we do show for like a duck crossing the road or a turtle crossing the road, or, you know, just anytime we come in contact with, you know, a creature in nature in our day-to-day -day lives, sometimes we can disconnect from cows, chickens, pigs, fish, and, you know, other animals that we've been raised to see as food. So I think that's really powerful that you made that connection there. <laughs> So, um, uh, man, Dr. Mari, you are absolutely incredible and so inspirational. I love this chat with you so much, but I know that I can't keep you forever. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would really love to know if you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom before we say goodbye. Wow. Um, I, I feel like uh, just uh, connecting with other, other people, I am... Uh, I was able to reach out to many physicians that are in this same field and uh, I live in Miami, Florida and we did not know that so many of us are here and th thanks to who connected us 
actually is connecting the rest of those doctors, nurses, health practitioners, nutritionists. We, we hold uh, once a month uh, either lunch or dinner and uh, trying to connect with more people that are looking or they have the same goal. It's always uplifting and it just reinforces that what you're doing is the, is the correct thing, right? Yeah, totally. I'm so glad that you have a community of other health professionals there, you know, like that. I really hope that that's true for many other vegan doctors in, in the medical profession. That That's really, I think, such a powerful thing because it's so easy to feel like we were talking about earlier, like you're just you're just on this journey by yourself, you know, it's it's easy to kind of feel isolated sometimes, but being in community with like minds, you know, whether it's in the medical profession, or whether it's just, you know, like, the average person that's on this journey, or that is really thinking more positively about the future, mm -hmm. right, finding those other people finding your tribe and, uh, really locking in that feeling that we're going in the right direction and that more and more people are waking up every day to this message. And you know what? We don't know exactly what's in our future, but holding that vision like you were talking about in such a positive way, I think is so important for this movement more than anything. <laughs> so thank you for being an inspiration to that. Oh, no, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. That was Dr. Mari Mitrani, Chief Science Officer and Co-Founder of Organicell. To learn more about the science of regenerative medicine and exosomes, visit Organicell.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-C-E-L-L.com. And to go deeper with Dr. Mari and for a regular dose of fitness and nutrition inspiration, follow her on Instagram at Mari Mitrani. When you do, be sure to let her know that you heard about her here on the Eating Like You Give a Damn podcast. In episode 16, I made the announcement that starting now, here in early October, we're shifting to an every other Monday episode release schedule. That means you can expect for episodes to release on the first and third Monday of each month. This is because me and my team are developing the next generation of health coaching to empower coaches who advocate for a plant-powered lifestyle to start and grow a sustainable business that they love. So we're in the beginning stages of evolving into a company that doesn't just provide information, we're empowering coaches with the tools to facilitate transformation in order to help more people to reclaim their health while helping animals and the environment too. So on behalf of me and my team, thank you so much for your understanding in the schedule adjustment and for your support in this business journey. I'll be sure to keep you updated as we make our way towards making this goal into a reality that I believe will help so many people. If you like what you just heard, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you're notified as soon as new episodes release. And pretty please leave us a glowing review. And come follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Eating Like You Give a Damn. And don't forget to join our group of rebels for recipes and support in your vegan-friendly journey. That's at eatinglikeyougiveadamn.com forward slash group. That's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, veg on, rebels.